Hi, everyone. Welcome to our follow-up podcast to our discussion from last Sunday, Believing in God When Bad Things Happen. Uh, we thought uh, as a way to mark Holy Week, uh, it would be great to uh, continue this conversation. We had such a uh, generative discussion going on uh, during our online time together on Sunday, and uh, it felt like it was perfectly appropriate to continue the conversation as we remember the time when Jesus enters Jerusalem and is entering into the great suffering of his life. Uh, and as we are considering the, uh, the great uh, suffering that our entire globe is facing, and we are certainly a part of that in our own ways, and as we consider the great sufferings that is unique to each of us as individuals, um, we thought that this would be a great conversation to continue um, believing in God when bad things happen. How is it that Kyle and I have found something that is, uh, that is connecting for us, that is meaningful and consoling to us and comforting to us uh, when it comes to believing in God, and not something that um, we have a ton of sympathy for, which is trite experiences when trying to believe in God in the midst of hard things, or hurtful experiences, or things that just don't match up or don't add up and end up causing more distress than they do comfort. Um, so we wanna talk more about that. If it's possible, I did want to try to have uh, a little bit of fun with our midweek podcasting exploration here. Uh, we're going to bring Kyle into the conversation. Um, I told him to call me at a certain time, be ready, uh, but he doesn't know that we're going to be podcasting right away. So uh, let's see how he reacts. Stay with me. Hey, Kyle, are you there? I am. Hello. Hey, 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 I'm glad, I'm glad you joined us uh, for the podcasting today. Um, yeah, uh -huh. I just want to jump right in. Yeah, um, okay. we're, uh, we're we're really glad to have our guest uh, Kyle Hanewalt here. Hello uh, for jumping right in. <laughs> no, I I decided I was going to catch you off guard and just jump right in because I thought that would be the most fun. Well, well, the thing you don't realize is that I I, I am ever prepared to talk at any oh, point. Yes. So Wait, you mean you like you like telling people what you think? I don't, as often best done when I don't get a chance to think about it first, because uh, <laughs> it's a higher quality when it higher comes quality? out without that filter. Great. Yeah. Well, we're so, we're so glad that we get this version of Kyle, the unfiltered version of Kyle. Um, yes. Yeah, so I, I've kicked us off and just kind of, um, uh, kind of laid the foundation of like, this is a, continuing this conversation from Sunday is perfect for Holy Week. Like, you know, we're, oh. we're talking about Jesus entering into Jerusalem, entering into the great suffering of his uh -huh. life. And, uh -huh. um, and so us just continuing to engage what was clearly resonating with people on Sunday, uh -huh. um, I thought would be great. Um, and so, uh, so what I thought we could do is kind of do this mailbag style and, um, and uh -huh. address some of the comments and the questions that came up that we didn't get to fully um, come at. And then, and then we'll, uh, we'll, we'll hopefully and a hit on some of the various things that people were thinking. Okay. Cool. I'm down. I like right, mailbags. Cool. Great. And I like hitting on things, so. <laughs> that came out excellently. Well done. <laughs> uh -huh. We're keeping that right. in. I'm just throwing that out. Yes. We're keeping that in. <laughs> Good. Good. So, um, I mean, one well, one thing that... Um, struck me off the bat um, as I looked back at the comments in the chats 
uh, from Sunday was um, uh, one, a comment from Lara who was resonating with you. And, mm -hmm. uh, and I liked uh, her phrasing of saying like, she, as a uh, recovering evangelical, she said, um, she uh, falls back into that lizard brain type mentality of um, hearing what we were talking about on Sunday, which is an approach to believing in God and God is all powerful. That means that not everything that ever happens, it like comes back to God made, willed it or God planned it. Um, mm -hmm. She talked about how that, like even just, just like hearing that suggested does like uh, she said, she used the phrase lizard brain, gets her back into that spot of like, wait, that can't be right, right? And, uh -huh. uh, and you expressed a little bit about that. Mm -hmm. And I just thought, um, first off, like any, any further thoughts on that? Because I just think that's a really unique perspective that you and Laura and I'm guessing other people in our community share. Yeah, you know, I think part of the, the worldview that um, found its way into my brain as a child um, you know, I think this conversation about, you know, God always being in control, uh, a lot of conversation around, um, like things are working out according to his will. I think that there's this, there is a lot of, um, a lot of emphasis, emphasis on the all powerfulness of who God is. And, uh, the stakes of that are just immediately, um, kind of more urgent, I think, than even any of the other characteristics of who God is. Uh, it's kind of like his all-powerful nature is the thing that is kind of forefront and center. And I think part of that is, for me, growing up evangelical, I think there was almost a um, combative nature and to the way that I related to the non-evangelical world. Um, this kind of sense of, like, we're under attack or we're being undermined or... Uh, you know, the way of life that, you know, we hold to is, is at risk in something. And I think when you're taking that kind of defensive posture, which I really do think that particularly since uh, the Bush presidency and the rise of the religious right, the way that um, uh, kind of evangelicalism has seen itself in the context of the larger kind of landscape of our, our country, really is in a defensive position and in a place of doing that. And I think in that place, God being all-powerful is the thing that's like you're riding on like he is more powerful than all of these things um and so when you hold on to the sense that he is bigger and more powerful and is going to win and beat out everything um it, it, it creates this pressure when you begin to i don't know uh lower the um pressure on that nature and i think the hard part for me is so often when we are feeling the pressure of god's all powerfulness the thing that we most freely sacrifice is his goodness Mm -hmm. um, is this idea that like if it comes down to um, you know a hard truth or the, the the part of what does it mean that he's all powerful that he allows suffering to happen he allows pandemics to go on he allows children to suffer and die and never see kind of a sense of, of hope or redemption in their life that you know that the stakes of his all-powerfulness are actually more significant than asking the questions of his goodness is god a moral monster oh fascinating so, and, and so I, yeah keep going keep going that's just fascinating. Well, and to be honest it's actually more palatable for me to if i'm in that kind of lizard child brain it's more palatable yeah. for me to think about how god allows really terribly moral morally questionable things to occur um then it is to say that maybe something happened and he, it was not of his agency because uh, 
that when those two things come against each other, it's almost, and what happens is I actually create these kind of mental gymnastics to rationalize evil, like, oh, yeah. it, you know, and the biggest one is because it's such a defensive in and out perspective of things is you can rationalize horrendous things as long as it's happening to the other. Like, mm. it, and, and the truth is that you kind of create this false narrative of that, like, and this is why you see churches right now that are like, come meet, you know, this terrible COVID thing, we yeah. surely will be spared from it. It's because the all powerful nature of God uh, is so important that we somehow, and when it comes to the question of the goodness of like people are suffering and dying, you create this inner monologue of like, well, either A, I will be uh, uniquely protected and so the suffering is, I don't have to worry with that because that's, that's an other's problem. Or even maybe more than that, um, I, I can convince myself that even bad things are good. Um, yeah. And they're not, from my experience. That's really clarifying from uh, when on Sunday when you were kind of um, suggesting that in some way, and some of this is built on like the classic philosophical question of the problem of evil, but you were pitting like, um, God's goodness and God's all powerfulness and trying to figure out like, how do we, how do all of those fit together in a world that has such terrible tragedies as a part of it all the time and, and suffering and evil and all of that. And, um, and you, and you suggested, you know, what you're saying today, but I, I appreciate what you said of just like this. It's almost like referring to the seductive nature of power um, mm -hmm. that we, mm -hmm. we, we want so badly for all powerfulness to be the one that wins out because power is so seductive and actually being like true and good and worthy is not actually as seductive. You know, that's kind of like mm -hmm. the, that's the low road, you know? And well, um, yeah. Please. You think about Jesus, the, the low yeah. road of him choosing a life of suffering, submission, humility, defeat. Uh, like that was, that was egregiously offensive to the religious people of his time. Sure. And sure. it's not that the Pharisees or the people of his time, I think were uniquely power focused people. I think that they were human and actually yeah. all of us actually feel greatly, greatly uncomfortable with still the notion of the God of the universe choosing powerlessness. Choosing powerlessness. Yes. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so yeah I, I, I think that's the struggle in this whole thing is, uh, at the end of the day, uh, the seductive nature of power is actually more important to us than almost anything else. And so that's the kind of the peace in the modern American landscape. I think we actually have the hardest time uh, like letting go and, and wrestling with. I think that's really actually the lens onto which particularly modern American, Western, suburban, evangelicalism operates through is, is uniquely the power of God, which is kind of a funny thing when you're speaking of Jesus. That is fascinating. You know, I one thought I had uh, around all of this and around the, the discussion on Sunday was that um, so part of the reason that um, uh, like bad things happening um, in the world and, and, and that being so present in my face has not been a crisis for me um, in it personally in faith is I think because I, f I found faith for the first time after a horrible thing happened to me. It was it was actually like finding faith was what, what like was comfort to me was exactly what I needed. It was the, you know, just what the doctor ordered for me. Um, God meeting me in the midst of, of grief. But for so many people that um, I know, for so many people I've come to know, like since becoming a churchgoer, since, since becoming a pastor, especially the um, that that's their story is different. Like they believed in a good God first and then experienced or witnessed some horrible like thing 
um, a miscarriage, a loss of a loved one, a natural disaster, something like that. And then that horrible thing calls into question their belief in a good God. And, wow. and so just the fact that it was a reverse order for me, of the, I started to believe in a good God after I'd already had a horrible experience has made my, my story a little bit different than people who would have grown up immersed in this, uh, this uh, approach to understanding God that you're expounding on or that we, on Sunday we called it the life is God's blueprint view of, yeah. uh, of, of, of faith. I think it's interesting. It makes me think of this theologian that was is uh, looking at the global trends of, uh, so this is probably back in 2010, and looking at how uh, Christianity was decreasing in, in all of the Western world in terms of religious affiliation, but it was exploding in places like uh, Africa, places in particularly like uh, Central Africa, exploding in certain Asian countries, uh, certain areas of the Middle East. And what he's kind of thought in that is, is looking historically that uh, faith in Jesus has always thrived in the midst of suffering and challenge and opposition. And it's actually the, the times we look back at the grossest points of Christian history is when um, Christianity lived in the hands of the powerful. And I mean, it doesn't take us very long to think about that. And it's strange for me growing up as somebody who grew up in the kind of stage of uh, the kind of religious right gaining political power, the religious right influencing wider culture. Um, and what happens is when you have power and you sit in a position of power, uh, you, it doesn't really mesh very well with the message of Jesus. Mm -hmm. And so you almost have to create persecution. You almost have to create hardship and trouble because the faith of Jesus is actually, I mean, he says it the best. It's about making those who would be last first and those who will be first last. First, and last. if you're in first place, you got to figure out like, no, 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 I'm actually, actually last we're in place. Last. <laughs> and I, I think this is why this question feels so difficult for modern Americans, particularly yeah. people that grew up with me. Sure. Whereas much of the world and, and throughout history, the, the tensions of mystery, of not knowing why bad things happen, not trying to like get to the bottom of it, but rather looking for the spiritual help in the midst of it, lamenting the loss, finding the company in that, has kind of been where it's lived. It is kind of a, a modern Western challenge here to be so focused in on the powerfulness of God, so focused in on how he's kind of working everything out. You think about it, your life actually has to be fairly privileged to go through a line of thinking that tells you that everything that's happening right now is kind of working out in some positive, good way, uh, or you kind of do some mental gymnastics. Whereas what's more helpful for me is when you recognize that things are going hard and not going well and finding God as a resource in that, rather than trying to figure out how some terrible thing that happened to you is actually his will in some way. Hmm. So I'm going to, that reminds me of another question that we got, and I'm going to try and concisely segue us from what you were just saying to the question. Mm -hmm. um, and if I fail, you know, just, just, you know, give me some grace. Right. Um, but, but I think the thread I see between what you're saying um, and our next question is that the, the, the idea of, uh, or the, uh, the, the luxury to ask these questions, to, um, to try and, you know, figure out the, the why question, uh, is, is an interesting one. Putting it out as a luxury, as a very modern thing, as a very, like, comfortable world. Once, you know, you, you have, a, have a, a life that is pretty privileged and, uh, and taken care of, um, then any 
um, any amount of suffering is like an affront because in general, as Americans, we can live like until we're 30 without experiencing some great suffering in life. And that is just like totally new in the history of the world, right? Um, and uh, and I, I think about the fact that like um, I, I qualified um, this life as a blueprint uh, view or life as God's blueprint view. Uh, I qualified it as as so subtle that um, that we almost cannot even realize be- that we're believing in it. Um, uh-huh. That uh-huh. that um, and and also not even realize that it might be a bad or harmful thing. Um, and I think uh-huh. I, I think that because uh, on on one hand, like the the most the most generous uh, uh, reasoning we can offer for the you know life as God's blueprint view is is that it it, it can provide comfort. You know, like it's uh, hey. Uh, you you know you will be okay because God is in control and and certainly on um, at face value I actually believe that I I think I just uh-huh. what what I mean when I believe that is different uh-huh. um, but I do think it is connected to like what do we actually mean when we say God is in control or God is all powerful uh, and we touched a little bit this uh, on this in the discussion on Sunday I do think it is connected to this luxury of privilege or this luxury of being in a in a comfortable world where suffering is not the norm. Suffering is like the the deviation, which is very different from most people's experience. And so uh, there's my super long segue, but I want to bring up yeah. a question from Laura. Uh, this is, uh, she, she mentioned she's thinking a lot about the disparity between the classes when being quarantined right now. So thinking about mm-hmm. the, the great suffering of our coronavirus situation. And she said, how a lot of people who can't afford to hold themselves up during this time, uh, I am one who can stay at home and afford to have groceries sent, having someone else put themselves in danger to provide a service to me. How can I, uh, as, as a Christian and as a person of privilege, grapple with the inequities in this crisis? And that was her question. So that feels connected to this, no? Yeah, I mean, I think the truth is uh, part of what following the path of Jesus is, is always grappling with the inequity of humanity. Mm. Um, I don't think we ever actually get to a place of like getting it. Um, But I think part of the journey of Jesus is to never be um, dulled to it. Uh, to never rationally, this is one of the frustrations I have of what has happened in American Christianity is a lot of the ways that we um, have created uh, frameworks and understandings that actually do dull our sense of empathy for others. Oh, they're not, a, you know, I feel really, I feel a lot of empathy towards fellow Christians, but if you're not a Christian, for some reason, I'm not accountable to the thing that's happening to you. Or if you, some reason I've created these in and out dynamics throughout my whole life, the internal accountability I have for the existential suffering that people feel is real. And I think this is why a lot of particularly white affluent Christians don't see issues of income equality as a matter of sin, or they don't see it as a matter of uh, kind of injustice because the focus of their sin, the focus of their injustice, it's a highly internalized, individualized, personalized, usually something to do with sex kind of thing, opposed to what you normally see Jesus doing is calling out systemic inequality, systemic injustices, and attributing that to sin as much as anything individually. So I actually think that part of what being a Christian is, is just wrestling with those questions and never... Uh, telling yourself that you have it settled and, and, and kind of walking that path, if that makes sense. Interesting. So so even the uh, life as God's blueprint view, sort of the, it falls victim to that, of, uh, to what, uh, to what uh, Laura brings up here of just this, it, because it, uh, in, in one particular way, but sort of it, it, it's, it's symptomatic of a larger way where we just are trying to offer really clear and pat answers or responses to things that are happening, which miss the complexity of it, which therefore 
uh, people fall through the cracks where, uh, you know, it only works for the powerful, only works for the people for whom, uh, you know, fall under the quote unquote norm. Um, and, and so maybe that's the real, that's the real reason that this feels like, because I think many people maybe when we hear, you know, like what we talked about on Sunday, it can, oh, there's that first glimpse if you've, if you've had evangelical background where it's like, oh my gosh, like, can we even say that? Can I believe that? But then after a while, it starts to feel right, but you're not exactly sure why it feels right. Maybe this is what you're, what we're talking about here. Well, so if you believe that everything is happening is God's will, and we don't understand why it's happening, and it's confusing, and, you know, there's human brokenness, and it's just this thing that's beyond our ability, but essentially everything is happening. It must be good for some reason, yeah. Mm -hmm. It's a blueprint for God, Mm -hmm. and God is doing it. Mm-hmm. Um, and you're a person of privilege. That's actually a really, con- it's really convenient for it's me. It's very, yeah, yes, yes. That, oh, you know, the systemic inequity of that person that has to put themselves in harm's way to come serve me. Well, you know what? I may not understand how systemic inequity work, but somehow it's God's will that, mm. you know, uh, I think that there's some rate of like, uh, uh, um, black people in America are dying three times more than, than white people. And it's mm. not because of the systemic inequity that has led to, uh, underserved uh, healthcare needs. It's not about the systemic reality of poverty and the way that it intersects with race that is now seeing how it's worked out right now. It's somehow, it's God's will. It's this sense of like, you were able to, I think in a, for me in the past, when I felt that kind of empathy pang of like, oh, there's something wrong here, that feels uncomfortable to me, to tell myself that I don't understand it, but this is, God must somehow want it this way, makes me feel better because I don't have to wrestle with what feels wrong because somehow God wants it. I don't understand how, how it is. I think this is what you talk about the subtlety of this is I don't think most people would say God wants poor people to be poor. Right. Most people are self-aware not to say that. However, there is a sense of the way that that kind of subtly creeps into our mind when we say things of like, well, you know, Corona, you know, God must be doing something in this. And I don't, I don't know what's happening, but yeah. he must be doing something here. And you're like, well, okay, so is he doing something that is significantly disproportionately causing suffering for poor people? Because yeah. that, in applying that, to me, makes me really question that thing of how could God ever be called all good mm. in this situation if I'm saying that somehow his hand is trying to work out a secret long-term goal and freely sacrificing the people that he's sacrificing along the way. Uh, and I don't think most people actually would say that or think that, but I actually think that's it does subtly find its way into our thinking. Yeah, that's interesting. I think you're right. I think that it's really important to point out the subtle uh, harm in this uh, in this view, which is not to say that that is what people believe in, but it is to it is to say like I think when people experience dissatisfaction or when people experience hurt or when people experience just like uh, the you know death by paper cuts as a result of these views this is the reason because um, in a very subtle way, they don't hold water. And the more you pull on that thread, the more it all unravels. Um, you know, so yeah, this is, this is why yeah. people always talk about uh, what's the, what's the thing that made you question your faith? Like what's the thing that makes you do this? And you know, myself and I know many other people when they hit one through periods of either leaving faith or really doing it, it's like, well, the Bible, the Bible is the one reading it is what made me question. Things. Yeah. And it's, I think it was less that the Bible actually did it. It's just realizing how incompatible the Bible was with my mental frameworks. And this was one of them is how, how do I make a, a notion that God is both all good if I'm holding on to this idea that everything is happening as he wants it to be happening. And even reading the Bible, that seems pretty messed up, let alone analyzing my own life. And I think you get to this point where you go, well, if I have to believe that, 
Yeah. And I'm not sure I can believe in, I don't actually want to, why would I shape my life around that at all? And I think yeah. it's a, it's, it's a tricky, tricky thing. Yeah, bringing in the the Bible into the discussion is a good one. I do think um, something that I I think I've I've um, I've picked up just in in interacting with people now for you know a, a decade and just people's different experiences of the Bible and trying to wrestle with it and trying to make sense of it um, and realizing that um, that I do think a a heavy amount of pressure to to like. Um, what we were talking about before of like the, oh, can you even, can you believe uh, what we're talking about when it comes to the all powerfulness of God? And, you know, this idea that all powerfulness that we ventured on Sunday is more about where things end up and the redemptive nature of God, the resurrecting nature of God, rather than where did it come from? Who, who's the author of this experience? Um, th- what I'm realized is a lot of the hesitancy to uh, to take on the more resurrecting, redemptive understanding of all powerfulness comes from the Bible. It comes from lots of things because you do see, particularly in the Old Testament, you see the Israelites try on for size a great deal. Uh, this this idea of God being behind everything that ever happens in a very meticulous blueprint like way, uh, and then you see you see uh, uh, voices to the contrary in the Old Testament scriptures as well. And and really, I think you know, the the most helpful thing for me in terms of how the Bible plays into this. Uh, is I, I mentioned um, Jesus in, in this, this episode of him teaching his disciples. They say, teach us to pray, teacher. And, and he kicks it off with you know, what is now known as the Our Father or the Lord's Prayer. He says, you know, pray, pray that God's will be done on the earth as it is in heaven. And, and that is, that's really informative to me because I think it, it grounds us in this idea of like Jesus himself, his view, it, he seemed to concede that God's will is not always done. And, and that, is, that is the reason for the way he acted. It's the reason for the way that he prayed. It's the reason for the way that he lived the way he lived, died the way he died, um, is that, that no, not, not everything can be traced back to uh, God's will, uh, which is all the more reason uh, to stay in touch with that God and to feel driven by that God. Well, it's a, I think it's the way that we as modern Americans tend to read the Bibles, because you'll read places, particularly good examples is some of the Old Testament writings where they're uh, talking about the, the growth and expansion of Israel. And the, just looking at all the prophets in general, there's places in the prophets where it seems to be kind of creating that blueprint idea, like, oh, this mm-hmm. is all happening, guys. Well, but then there's other places in the non-pro- in the nonprofits, in the prophets, uh, <laughs> where it seems to be pretty clear. Yeah. It seems to be pretty clear that God's will was something and that it was not happening right. or that prophets are actually pleading to change to change what's going to happen. And sometimes it does happen and sometimes it doesn't. Or, you know, like we, we talked a little while back about it, this idea that um, all the rulers are in place are put there by God. It's kind of a, it's taken mm. from an, uh, um, something Paul said, actually, um, mm. which, you know, which makes sense in that context where he had people that were rebelling against their local rulers. And he's saying, you know, you know, these people are in place for a reason. Like, let's not, let's not turn up all this as we're trying to also grow our church right now. Um, but then in the Old Testament, there's prophets can, uh, talking about the reason that Israel's falling apart is because they elected rulers that were not who God wields. So I think that yeah, there's Hosea, a lot of, right? Yeah, in yeah, Hosea. Exactly. Yeah. And I think yeah. what that leads to me too is is less like, oh, okay, so then what does the Bible say about this? And I think it's the way that we tend to read it. We go to something and we we create theologies that are based that are are not it's, that's not what the prophets are trying to communicate is yeah. that to us and we try to make it that you know and i think about something um in this whole nature this whole thing um matt actually made a comment in the zoom which i thought was interesting which is yeah he often talks about how we conflate 
control with power. And often when we say all powerful, we actually mean all controlling, that God actually just controls everything and makes it all happen. And that's actually very different than being all powerful. Yes. Um, and I, uh, which I was like, that is really fascinating. I think it's one of those things that helps me think through what Jesus's choices were. Jesus's choices of power were to let himself be captured, tortured, and killed. It's very different than a God that's like all controlling and what's happening. It's the way that he is choosing to live out his powerfulness is in this actual act of surrender, uh, which I think is, is just a, it's interesting the ways that we, I often think that what we tend to do is we read our own culture onto the Bible. And as somebody mm. who grew up in the context that I grew up, you know, the truth is what evangelical Christianity in America believes today is different than it did two years ago or five years. It's not a consistent thing. However, that cultural framework that we have, it comes with us and we tend to read whatever that is telling us into the Bible in a lot of ways. And I think this kind of blueprint understanding of it is certainly one area that that comes to life. Mm, yes, I noted that comment from uh, Matt as well. And just, just the idea that um, the, the difference between all controlling and all powerful, um, the, the ability to be resourceful, to be creative, to make something out of nothing or turn um, a bad situation for good is actually a much better picture of true, uh, in the best sense, power than being all controlling or being, you know, like the, 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 uh, the power when it comes to authorship versus power when it comes to where something ends up. And, and I just, I, I noted that as well. So just to talk about the reverse yeah, I think side. The discomfort. Please, yeah. Well, I was saying the discomfort I realize I feel. So it's the, when, whenever we start to say, or to nuance or speak about the all-powerfulness of God of like, well, what if there's things happening that are actually not his will uh, in the way that that like triggers the child in me. And it's funny because it's, it's the same kind of thing when I, you know, I talk to my counselor about um, like things I've internalized uh, just on a personal nature about how I internalize different narratives about the world. And one of the questions she asks is, are you, oh, my child has discovered me. Um, <laughs> uh, one of the things that we, that she has, is like, on a scale of one to 10, how ready are you to let go of this? Like we both agree that this belief is destructive, but actually it's really hard to let go of something because in some ways it doesn't work perfectly for you. It doesn't look great. It doesn't work great for you. But, it, you know, it works a little bit for you, and it's mm. destabilizing to let go of belief systems. Even if we, we don't believe they're true, even if we believe they're destructive, there's a sense of, like, am I, this is a friend that I've had with me for a long time. And yes. I know there's something inconsistent about assigning pandemic to God's will, but there's something comforting in that to me because I've had it for so long, and it's, it's hard to even imagine a different way. In a lot of ways, it is a lack of imagination of, like, how, what do I do if I get rid of this? And I think that's the same anxiety I feel about this is what I feel about when my counselor asked that question. I was like, you know, I want to say it's one, but the truth is when she asked me about the, this whole internal kind of struggles of mine, I was like, I think it's a three because, yeah. you know, this doesn't work great for me, but it has been mine for so long that I can't even imagine what does it mean to live without it. And I think that the way that certain theologies live in our brain, like this one in particular, is, is similar to that. That is, that's a wonderfully pastoral comment there. I think um, if you're, you know, a, a listener here and you're, you're realizing like there is, there, there, uh, when, when this suggestion is made, it's like a five or a six on the scale. Um, 
that's uh, that 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 that's, that really speaks to. Um, I think it feels really true that like yes, because it, it may not be helpful in the grand scheme of things, but it has been a little bit helpful to me, and that makes sense, right? Mm-hmm. That feels true. I mean, like to a to, yeah, totally. to a time to a time when or you know a, a season in our lives where uh, where we couldn't hold nuance or where nuance wasn't you know like. That, that's like that's like on the back burner and it's like we, we just needed to get through something so we could survive um, mm-hmm. it makes sense that this could be a comforting um, belief for a time and then it also that that allows us to not uh, judge it or not um, not be uh, frustrated with ourselves to move on to something that now will serve us going forward uh, so that's I great that's it. the way that I think about the all-powerful nature of God that feels really helpful to me right now is uh, in in the fact of um, healing in the fact of, of uh, the ability to kind of offer me the things in life I can't offer myself. You know, we often talk about this. It's, you know, it's healing, it's forgiveness, it's grace, it's, it's vision, it's guidance, it's resource. Like God is all powerful in the sense of like, even in the midst of like the trauma that we are all going through, this is a corporate trauma that we are all actually going to have to recover from. Like this is, a, we're, we're going to have to like go through some, some, some healing after this to rethink about what our security looks like. And to me, when I think about the all powerful nature of God, it is not so much his will made Corona happen. It's that he is powerful enough to bring about healing and restoration to the mental trauma I've gone through to bring about healing and restoration to the ways that this has affected me forever. And that he is all powerful and actually helping me become a better man, a better human being, more fulfilled even after something that is so kind of ground to like unprecedented leveling what we can expect of what happens in life after this. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's bringing me to another uh, another question. Uh, this one was from uh, Rob, and he said, so for, for all of these bad things, uh, to what do we ascribe their source if we're saying that you know like not everything comes back to um to god's will uh and he mentions is is it evil is it random chance is it both um and uh, and so just to bring us uh, maybe maybe now we can kind of visit the other side of this um analogy that we suggested which is uh, what would be a better analogy than a blueprint for how life happens when it comes to God? And we suggest the idea of a battlefield. And God is one of the forces on that battlefield. And and as as we're discussing, we 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 to our definition of an all powerful force on that battlefield can can turn no matter what casualty of war uh, happens there can can uh, can can turn that on its side those tragedies and redeem them in ways. Uh, but He is not the only force on that battlefield, God. And so, um, yeah, so uh, there, I think some of the things that we mentioned, um, uh, even, even in this discussion or on Sunday, were like, uh, there is, uh, there's systemic evil. Like this is, this is the, you know, the discussion in, in my read of, of the scriptures, the discussion of things like spiritual evil, you know, the, the, um, the angels and demons conversations in the scriptures. And, and I think that that, you know, that all stuff, that, that all of that feels really present when we think of the things that are so underlying and the things that are so um, unexamined and the things that are so not seen, but still, you know, present and, and, and powerful in the way that they harm us and they hurt us. Uh, those I think are things that we would call spiritual evil. And so I think we see those things. I think that we also see 
um, as we mentioned, we see bad choices by humans, you know, that cause uh, suffering. And so certainly we can ascribe lots of the things that happen in our world um, that are that are terrible to just like this was human choice. Uh, we see, uh, I do think that, you know, um, uh, random chance, like the biological randomness of a miscarriage is something that in my own life and the people in my own personal orbit has been, uh, has been hugely important for me to hold to of like, like how, how could, how could, how could this person who is important to me experience a miscarriage? And then what is my response to that as a believer in God? I was like, my response to that is like, this biological randomness is, is horrible. And the God that I believe in, the God that I've come to, to find to be so comforting is the God who is, who is trying, he's the God in the Psalms who's presented as like trying to hold together the forces of chaos. He's described in, in, the, in the creation story as the God who separates the darkness from the light and the, the, the water from the land and the night from the day. You know, the idea of bringing order to chaos. That is, I think, the God who, who like that, that's God's response to a situation like a, a miscarriage, biological randomness. And then of course, you know, the coronavirus is thrown into the biological randomness uh, category. And then we, we also talked about natural chaos. <laughs> I mentioned my, my, my distaste for the phrase act of God. I, I just hate that because I just, I, I think that that falls victim to the blueprint uh, view. Um, but yeah, so uh, in, just in, in my initial thoughts of like responding to Rob's question of like, yeah, there are a myriad of things that we can ascribe the bad things that happen to. And though it is destabilizing to say that all of those things have power and all of those things matter and, and all of those things are real uh, and it's not just God, like God doesn't, his all powerfulness is not that he can just like choose to stop those things, but he doesn't choose to stop those things. Why doesn't he choose to stop those things? His all powerfulness, is, it's not about choice. It, it, is, it is about his ability to, uh, to bring about redemption even so. There's something from actually the tradition I grew up in, um, which uh, often talks about as spiritual warfare. Mm. And I think this is the sense of battlefield to me. And I think that even though there's a lot of things from my initial frameworks that led me to kind of come to some blueprint understandings of God, there was also this kind of counter to it, which is this conversation of spiritual warfare. Like there's something going on on like a, a spiritual or unseen level in our world now that God is fighting on our behalf, but there's other things that are kind of fighting against our, our senses. And I think this is where you were talking a little bit about the angels and demons and all that kind of stuff. Um, but to me, that is it's helpful to think about uh, in terms of like at times it just does feel like there's something working against me in life and to believe that God is working for me. And so whether uh, the verbiage of that feels always most accessible to me or not is sometimes in question. But I think the truth is the experience of that always feels true, that there's like almost something happening on a spiritual level, like there's some kind of battle happening, big picture, that God is kind of working on our behalf within. Um, and, you know, the, to me, like there's, there's some, there's some um, real like basic human responsibility when you talk about it that way in terms of like we're not, we're not going to ignore the things in front of us and always say that like every sickness we see or everything is going on is some kind of underlying spiritual thing. Like I, that to me, there's some destructive qualities that I saw mm. in that. But the really helpful part of that is where do I see God live in the midst of the world I see around me? 
is he the one that is willing it all to be or is there some kind of kind of battlefield happening is there some kind of warfare that he is actually fighting on our behalf and, and we don't always actually get to see that happen and I, I think that that to me feels really helpful to think that way that there is there is an evil agency in the world I yep. think that that is true I think there's a, a spiritual nature to that I think that there's a human kind of fragility and brokenness that finds life in it sometimes but I think that even aside from like humans doing evil things to each other I think sometimes there is just seemingly feels like there's some evil agency happening out there I think I just do think that there's that kind of chaos you talked about. Yeah, I think it's important to hold that there's more than one answer. Pretty much happening in it's happening in lots of different ways, and there's lots of different answers for it um, in terms of any given thing in front of us, and not being too oversimplistic on trying to understand. I think that's where we get in trouble with a lot of these things. Actually, is us trying to say we understand why something like coronavirus would happen and trying to answer that question. And I think what you and I are mostly doing is not answering that question and right. not trying to say we know why it's happening, but helping us navigate what faith is actually supposed to do, which is help us walk through life in the midst of things like this going on. Yeah. And I, I do think that that's, a, that's another kind of nuance to offer to this is that um, when we talk about the battlefield view in, in contrast to the blueprint view, um, the part of the part of that destabilizing nature of the battlefield view, which is to say, like there are so many more things that could that bad things could be ascribed to uh, in, instead of God, and you know there are so many reasons that things happen and not just God's will. The actually like the destabilizing thing is a feature, not a bug, uh, because it's uh, the the idea there is that. Um, the moment we start to be certain uh, that we can draw a clear line from, hey, this is the source of why X, Y, or Z happened, um, that's when I think we start to run into problems. And that's what you're saying, like oversimplifying. That, you know, once again, like wh why is the blueprint view, um, why does it eventually become um, uh, dissatisfactory? It's because it oversimplifies. It's because it's trying to simplify everything and make it yes, all really yes. clear. And, um, and so the, the, the feature of the, of the battlefield view is that it does, it resists simplifying. It resists clear answers. It actually like forces us to be okay with something that is bigger, something that, it, that is complex that we could not possibly hold together. And then again, the gift of God in this is that here is one who can hold the complexity. Here is one who, can, who, is, who does not uh, experience overwhelmingness in the midst of that, but who can, who can hold this, who can see, who can be creative, who can be resourceful to bring about redemption or resurrection, no matter what loss, no matter what casualty of war happens. Um, I do think that that uh, something that this brings back to, uh, or brings me back to, is uh, again this idea of like the scriptures about uh, about uh, God using suffering or pain to to like to teach us or instruct us can all still hold true in that sense. And and the idea of a God that can I mean, be, is that not true for you? Yes, yes, of course. I mean, like that, that's like I was like, saying, is uh, it? I mean, uh, we. We talk about this so abstractly about how, like, we're right. so, sometimes we're like, well, yes, you know, God uses, but like, let, let me tell you something back and like, stop theologizing for a like second. Like my own say, story. Okay. Yeah. So what are the things, yeah. That, yeah, Vince, what are the things that have shaped you and helped you become right. the man that you are today the most? 
I mean, it's like, it's like I guess it, it's like five or six moments of suffering. Yeah, what? Well, it ahead, is. Sure. Losing my mom, losing my brother, the difficulty of starting this church. You know, like feeling uh, let down by a friend. You know, feel like a breakup. You know, like things like that. Like those have been mm-hmm. the hardest things, and those are what shape you. You know, and and yeah. um, and I think about from for me, yeah. the things that shape who I am the most are you know to me. Uh, growing up with a, uh, a deaf brother and me being mm. the most fluent signer in the family. So my whole life being kind of the unofficial interpreter to everything. Or it's growing up in a pastor's family with all these kind of really unrealistic and kind of um, un- unhelpful pictures of like what does a leader look like and these kind of expectations. A lot of the, the pictures of like there's these healthy acceptable people in the world and there's these not healthy unacceptable people in the world. These, these kind of things that internalize growing up in the place that I grew up. It's graduating in the middle of the recession mm. and kind of finishing school in the stage where there was no financial security in front of me. Like those are the moments that have shaped and defined me and made me who I am. The struggles in being a father, the the trying to figure out who I am in relation to like my own life. Like these are the right. parts of who we are. This it's it's the struggles that do it. And for us on that end, it's like, oh God in the midst of those hardships, walks right. me through those and helps me become the man I am. Which is so different than him being like, well God wanted my brother to be deaf to help right right no that that's a totally such a different yeah exactly and and it's nuanced right like you you, we are you we can we can see the same scriptures and read something very differently than a blueprint view which we might read and think that i don't want to touch that you know and so i i I think that to sort of put a nub on um on at least today's response and and uh as as we as we've been mentioning we'll we'll continue responding throughout uh holy week here um but uh, i think the the thing that 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 this brings me back to the, the gift of um, leaving uh, behind what maybe was a, was a friend for a time of blueprint uh, view uh, of, of God and how, how he relates to life. Uh, and, and instead embracing this more, this, this more ambiguous, this more complex uh, battlefield view of life. What I think the gift of it is, is that while our, while our, our, our in uncertainty about why things happen the way they happen does increase. That, that is part of it. <laughs> Again, we have to embrace that as a feature, not a bug. While that increases, what decreases is our uncertainty about God. God actually becomes quite clearly like Jesus. And that is, I mean, that, that's, a, that's the wonderful thing behind this is that we no longer have to feel uncertain or wonder about like God and his character because like you said, God's like all goodness is the thing that's at the top of the pyramid and that, and, and, and that like what, what in the midst of uncertainty, we have no idea why something happens, but we can know that God looks like Jesus. God is good. God is with us. God is a, God is one who knows suffering, not one who is a, a distant puppet master tinkering around to, Oh, wondering what, what a nice story I told. Look at, you know, there was a, there was a, a, a tension and a conflict and then a resolution, you know, it's like, no, God, God is in the midst of the conflict and the tension. And that is how he brings about resolution, not because he's a removed puppet master telling a good story. Yeah, I agree. I think to me, um, it's a strange release of control. You know, it's a funny thing because in a lot of ways, when we talk about blueprint, um, looking at, at life, how everything's happening according to God's will, it seems on one level it's about God being in control. But I think for me, in a lot of ways, it was a sense of control yes. of myself. It, yes. I, I yeah. want to feel in control. And when I can't feel in control, 
I'm going to make like, it's then it's okay. Well, then God's totally in control of everything. And in my evangelical upbringing, and I'm on team God, and you know, my, my tribe and my people are, are the ones that he's controlling it good for. So it's this weird way to stay in control, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. And honestly, since I've started to let go of that, I've realized that con- this sense of control is not actually helping me. That actually much of the things in life that I was longing for, connection with other people, uh, growth internally, a sense of freedom uh, that I can walk through life with, it actually was about letting go of control, not somehow feeling a sense of control again, um, kind of by proxy of God controlling every little thing in the world. Yeah. Well, here, here. That's good stuff. Uh, thanks, everybody, who offered comments and questions on Sunday. And uh, we do want uh, you to continue the conversation. So whatever way you're consuming this, whether it's on the podcast or uh, via social media or anything, please leave comments or, uh, or drop us an email, brownlinechurch at gmail.com, and we'd love to hear from you. Uh, we'll see you later this week. All right. Bye-bye.